Welcome to the Sports on Point podcast for August 9th, 2010. I am your host, Matthew, the even bigger baby, Smith. And I'm John, the big leprechaun, Savarelli. And I'm Bob Tall Revere Severance. Let's get on to the show, guys. Talking about this week in sports. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of the past week, and our host will give a short comment on each. Starting off with Monday, Chicago Blackhawks sign Marty Turco and walk away from Anti Niemi. Matt? Yeah, this move doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Turco is definitely a good sign, but Chicago Blackhawks just won the cup. Why are they making so many changes? I don't get it. Yeah, I'm not really sure what they're doing. I. I agree with Matt on this one. They look like the Florida Marlins of ice hockey. And on to Tuesday, Miami Heat to open NBA regular season versus the Boston Celtics. Sean? Well, I think this will be their first win in 34 straight wins on a way to a 76-6 regular season and a 15-0 in the playoffs on the way to their first championship. I think you're crazy. But I do think it's an interesting matchup, the new big three versus the old big three. Uh, the addition of Shaquille O'Neal, of course. Um, I'm not sure that this is going to be an easy win for the Heat. They won't uh, quite have gelled as a team yet, and uh, Boston's got some talent on the court. Maybe aging talent, but talent nonetheless. And on Wednesday, Celtics sign that Shaquille O'Neal that we just talked about, Matt. Gives them a little bit of a presence in the post, especially with Kendrick Perkins looking to miss some time. Uh actually kind of filling in a spot that it appears to me at least on paper that Miami has a hole and that's uh, that's in the paint. I think Shaq's going to be the new T.O. of the NBA. He's going to just go team from team for team and pretty much get picked up by whoever's uh, the most desperate team. And on the Thursday NFL training camp 2010, Washington Redskins DT Albert Hainsworth rests for third straight day. John? This guy's a waste of time. I can't believe they're paying him over $100 million. I hope that later in the week he passed the test, but I hope that he uh, does something this year because this man is just it's just a waste of time. It's I can't believe Washington paid this much for him. Yeah, this, uh, this was the headline from Thursday. Of course, Saturday he passed the test. I think this was really more of a power struggle between two guys than anything else. Shanahan wanted to assert his authority. His, his authority. Albert Hainsworth wanted to play his diva card. In the end, he's in camp now. We'll see what happens. On to Friday, the NFL is mulling microchips in footballs for those life-or-death goal line rulings. This coming from Engadget. Matt? Learning from the mistakes of the other football. Uh, this is a good move by the NFL. Get the technology in place to get the calls right. I like it. I don't mind it either. I mean, we've seen plays that have been messed up in the past, especially at the goal line. As technology advances, I think it's a good idea to take advantage of it. I do think it's kind of interesting that this story came in the same week as the uh, – Reports where Bill Levy reported that he kicked some calls in the 2006 Super Bowl, which happened to have a very controversial goal line touchdown call by Ben Roethlisberger. Kind of interesting. And Saturday, Anderson Silva stuns Chael Sonnen. This was an amazing match. I watched it for 22 minutes. Chael just destroyed Anderson. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I couldn't believe that it was happening. 
Then in the f- fifth round, Anderson caught him with a armbar and made him tap out. I, it was probably the best UFC fight I've ever seen in my life. You think he was playing possum? For the first, honestly, I think for the first four rounds, he was just letting him beat him up. And then the fifth round, I think he was, he came out and he was going to end the fight. Came out energized, like he hadn't even had a fight. And then he slipped and Chael got on top of him. And I thought it was over. I thought he was just going to lay on him for the last five minutes. I heard some people saying that this kind of showed some kinks in the armor for Silva. To me, I think this kind of a victory adds to his legend more than anything else. To take that kind of a beating and come back victorious at the end, it's a it's an impressive feat. It's kind of like Rocky. Yes. Everybody loves the guy that gets the crap beat out of him and then comes back. And on to Sunday, 2010 NFL training camp, Denver Broncos vets give Tim Tebow, Tebow a new look. Now I saw this. This is pretty funny. Matt. Friar Tebow. It's actually kind of a fitting look. Tim Tebow said it uh, is reminiscent of the crown worn by the statue of liberty either way it's ridiculous and i love it you know i think this sees this shows how much of a class act tim tebow is he took the hazing he wore the haircut and i think tebow's going to be a special player in the nfl and now on to our to the point section this is a section where we have an open format chat that will hit the main points in sports this week and allow for a little bit of flexibility and opinion so let's go on and get started well, before we before we get too much into it, I want to point out something. It's the middle of, well, it's it's the second week of August, and baseball is in full swing, pennant races are going on. We're not even going to talk about it. And why aren't we going to talk about it? Because Sunday night, the Yankees play the Red Sox and get a rating of 2.6. The Bengals play the Cowboys in a preseason game and get a 7.2. A preseason game in Canton, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, by the way, we are coming to you live from Canton, Ohio. We are down here specifically for the Hall of... Oh, wait. We live here. We're here because we live here. That's right. This isn't Canton. Close enough. Okay, we're by Canton. It's like seven minutes down the road. That's I have to get to the minutes. Hall of Fame. It's seven minutes, though. So, Brett Favre was all over the news again this week, as expected, reportedly sent some texts from a phone number that a lot of his teammates didn't recognize that said, uh, this is it, which apparently means he's retiring. Then in an interview, he says he's not retiring. What do you make of the whole Favre saga, John? I'm sick of it. I was sick of it last year. I was sick of it the year before and the year before. I'm tired of him. Make up your mind. Nobody cares if you come to training camp. If you don't want to come to training camp, don't come. But don't, don't do this. And they, I think this is about money. You think it's about money? Yeah, because they had offered up the, up his deal, $3 million, to pay him to sign. So I actually think that kind of points to it not being about money. I, what this is about is a 67-year-old man <laughs> <laughs> who, just, who just needs to grow up. I mean, if you're at that stage in your life, you got more important decisions to make. You have to decide... How you're going to spend your social security check? You got to depend. You got to figure out if you get injured on the field, is Medicare going to cover it? Strained peas or strained carrots? Strained peas, strained carrots. Um, I'm pretty sure the hip pads that they use in the NFL are not compatible with Depends. So let's put all of the evidence in front of us and just let's just step aside and, and call it a career. I agree. You're so mean to Brett Favre. 
you know, I, I say that in jest, but the guy's had, the guy's had a heck of a career, and there's no doubt uh, after the numbers and the performances he put up last year that he can compete on the level that he needs to to play in the NFL. It's just this indecision that's driving you, you, and me, and everyone else nuts. Can we stop it already? It's, it's a, bad enough that ESPN has a joygasm every time the term Brett Favre comes up anywhere. I like that. Joygasm. Joygasm. Yeah, they, they just... Although it makes me think of Joy Behar from The View, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, well, we can't have that. But, you know, every time he's available in a story, it's, you know, top billing on SportsCenter, and it's like, seriously... Every time there's a story about him, it's either one or two on the headlines for e- uh, for SportsCenter, and it's getting to the point where it's ridiculous. I could go down to Brett Favre's house, park outside of his ranch, um, you know, decide that if he turns his light on and off one time, he's coming back, and if he does it twice, he's not coming back, and report the findings as fact, and ESPN will run it top billing. Yeah, the... the I think Brett Favre likes the spotlight. He doesn't so much like the underground spotlight he's receiving from sites like deadspin.com right now. But, um, yeah, I, I think he enjoys the rest of it. I mean, and why wouldn't you? You're a 40-year-old and you're, the twilight's setting on your career. You want to stay in the limelight as much as you poss- possibly can. Yeah, just get your get your camera time in. His 15 minutes of fame has been spread into like 20 years at this point. He gets more camera time, camera time now than he did when he was actually in the prime of his career. The season's coming up. Brett Favre is obviously not going to play in the preseason, and uh, we can just kind of expect to see him suiting up for game one. Meanwhile, the other teams in the NFL are getting to business, getting ready to uh, start with the season. But I want to just go through the divisions and, and get a feel from you and from me what we think is going to happen uh, and give our little NFL predictions. We're going to start this week with the AFC West. What uh, what do you have going out there in the West, John? Well, it's uh, pretty much a no-brainer who's going to win the division. I think uh, the Chargers are on the top of that division. If I could make a strong case for anyone to be on top, I would because I know you're a Chargers fan. But realistically, the Chargers are the the top of that division. Uh, no one else is even, I, I think, playoff bound. I think the Raiders are actually going to be make a strong showing this year and improve. They might win six games and finish second place. Now, kind of keep in mind, that uh, you know, San Diego's got three of their best players holding out. Uh, a lot of predictions that they won't play at least for the first six games of the season. Uh, that, of course, being Vincent Jackson, Marcus McNeil, and Sean Merriman. Merriman's no big deal because he hasn't been the same guy he was his rookie and sophomore seasons. Uh, he hasn't been that guy lately, so I, I don't know that you're going to miss him too much. Vincent Jackson and Marcus McNeil, I think, are big deals. Um, you throw in the fact that they've got a rookie running back who's probably going to be taking you know snaps on first and second down. Um, who am I kidding? They did it without the running game last year. They'll do it without the running game this year if they have to. But their schedule is so incredibly weak that all three of these guys could miss all their games and they could probably still go 10-6. and six. If they come back, I think they're a 12-4, 13-3 team. 
Yeah, they definitely got the Raiders twice, the Chiefs twice, twice, and the Broncos twice. They're off. Their non-conference schedule isn't looking that much tougher. Yeah, I think uh, Denver is not going to be good this year with uh, Mr. Elvis getting hurt, their best defensive player. I think that's going to hurt them. I don't. I just think that with Josh McDaniel's second year, people know what's coming this year. Every coach in their first year usually has some success. And then once every coach out there knows, then they kind of go downhill. I'm kind of excited to see Kansas City this year because they have Romeo Cornell and Charlie Weiss as their their coordinators. That's a a dream team. Obviously, it's won Super Bowls before, so it can't be bad. I expect Kansas City to win some games through basically nothing more than smoke and mirrors. But I don't think Matt Castle is a franchise quarterback. I don't think that either Thomas Jones or Jamal Charles can carry this team as a primary running back. They're probably going to trade off carries because Thomas Jones is, uh, I think he might be older than Favre, I'm not sure. And uh, Jamal Charles is, uh, I don't know, he just doesn't seem to have the lower the shoulder shoulders run between the run between the guards or run between tackles. the tackles uh, ability that you you need from a full time running back in the NFL. He's a speed back. Yeah. yeah. So you think Oakland's going to improve big time this year, huh? Yeah. They, well, not really. They put a won, number on they it. They won. They're going to win six games and then finish second place. That's exactly that's exactly where I have them. I have them six games finishing third. I think uh, I think Denver can pull out seven. I think Denver and Kansas City will tie for last at five and eleven. You think Kansas City's going to win five? Yep. I got them at four. They won three last year, didn't they? Yeah, they're getting better. One game at a time. Two games. Two games at a time. Yeah, they got Charlie Weiss and Romeo Cornell. Yeah, and nothing else. They don't. But, they don't need anything else. They just need a scheme. A scheme. Patriots plug players in for years. They might even win the Super Bowl. Does Romeo Cornell win in five games? Remind anyone else of Teddy Ruxpin? A little bit. See, I always thought he was Cleveland from Family Guy. Ah. Oakland, I think Jason Campbell at quarterback. I think they've got some talent at wide receiver if they got a guy who can get the ball to him. I think that they can balance out their running game a lot better with Jason Campbell. Their defense hasn't been terrible over the past several seasons. Their their pass defense has especially been good. Their run defense has been suspect from time to time, but Richard Seymour being there the whole season this year should help out. I, I see them winning six, which, again, is an improvement over last year, but I don't really see them burning any houses down or anything like that. Second place with six wins is pretty good. Third place with six wins is okay. Well, they're going to finish second, though. The NFC West. Obviously, the last couple of years, it's been Arizona's division. St. Louis has been a bottom dweller. What do you see happening out west in the NFC? Well, I see St. Louis still be being the bottom dweller. Uh, even with Sam Bradford, I don't think they're going to improve too much. I think... The 49ers are going to come and win this division. I think it's about their time. I think they've been on the verge for the last few years, and I think they're going to hit their stride this year. I know they have a little bit of questions still at quarterback. But that's it. Yeah, they've got a strong rest of their team. Every other position, I think they're average or better in the league. Quarterback is the only question mark. And their running game is strong enough 
And they've added uh, Teddy Ginn, which, you know, say whatever you will, it's a it's a receiver with hands that you can get a ball to. And I think what Alex Smith really needs is is a wide receiver who can run underneath routes and give him outlets so that he doesn't have to make down pass de- or downfield pass decisions and he can just dunk, dink and dunk, get the running game involved. I I think they're division winners. Eight or nine wins? That's all it takes to win this division. I think I'm going to get 10. You think they'll get 10? Yep. Okay. I think Arizona's going to come in second. I think they're going to... Eight or eight or seven and nine. I don't think Linehart's the man. Uh, he might be. He's probably he's ready to step up. He's been out of college for what five years now. But I don't think he's. Uh, I don't think he's ready. He might be all right. But with them losing Bolden, that's yeah, a that's tough big. loss. That's big. With him gone, obviously Warner gone. Uh, Mike Dansby gone. Um, I don't see them. I actually have them at six and ten. Coming in third in the division, I think Seattle's going to be improved this year. I think they can pull seven wins out if Hasselback stays healthy. Of course, if he goes down with an injury and uh, Charlie Whitehurst has to step in and fill that role, I don't think they're a seven-win team anymore. But I think it's interesting that they brought Charlie Whitehurst in so that Matt Hasselback wouldn't have uh, security and would have to compete for the job. Does Matt Hasselbeck really have to compete for his job against Charlie Whitehurst? I don't think. Has he think ever even proven. has he ever even played a series in the NFL? I, don't, I think he's, I don't think I think he's, he's played, played like one or two. Maybe in the preseason. Definitely preseason. He's definitely played preseason. But as uh, as we all know, the preseason doesn't count when you're playing against third string defenses. If you can't complete a pass, then that really indicates that something's wrong. But Completing a pass or two doesn't mean much. They have been working out Mike Williams, the old USC phenom at wide receiver, and been very impressed. Do you think uh, he makes the roster? Probably. He went to USC. Lundell White went to USC. He's playing for Denver now because Seattle cut him. He'll still make the roster. They need a wide receiver because TJ Hushmanzada can't be a number one receiver. No. You think Mike Williams can be a number one receiver? Pete Carroll does. Wow. He's had success with that formula before. Pete Carroll's on his way back to the college ranks here in about two years. And I'm sure you didn't hear it here first. No, probably not. I think he's going to run that organization organization into the ground. Do you? Yeah. He wasn't wasn't a bad NFL coach. He wasn't a bad NFL coach. He's not a good enough coach to throw out the attention that he's gotten uh, in years past or the the amount of money that Seattle has given him. He's got some tricks. I think he's got some gimmicks that he can utilize. He's used to coaching large egos because that's what he did at USC. I think as far as college programs go, he's probably coming from an environment that is more like an NFL environment than any other college in the country. Uh, specifically because of how well played, well paid his athletes were. I think he comes into the league with a little bit more of insight than your average college coach can, but at the same time, he doesn't have a good roster to work with, and he's bringing in guys like Mike Williams, who's been out of the league for a year because he couldn't play good enough to crack the lineup for the Lions. I mean, if you can't play wide receiver for the Lions, is there hope? He's not dis- he's not a disciplined coach. He's not a disciplinarian. No. And NFL it ain't gonna work. 
because everybody's going to be running wild. They get, these guys got millions and millions of dollars to run wild with. I find it interesting that your argument why Pete Carroll won't work in Seattle is the exact same, is the exact opposite of the reason why Tom Izzo wouldn't work in Cleveland. Are the leagues that different? Yes. Yes. One's, one's football, one's basketball. Those are different. Those are very different. But I think when you're dealing with those types of payrolls, those type of egos, it's it's not as different as you think. Yeah, but I don't think him Look at Tom a- Coughlin. Tom Coughlin, yeah, he won a Super Bowl, but his players hated him until that year when they went on that run and won the Super Bowl. All you ever heard about was complaints from people about how much he worked him out and how strict he was and what a totalitarian, totalitarian environment the practices in the locker rooms were. Belichick's a, a disciplinarian. Belichick's I don't know that I don't know that he qualifies quite to the level that Tom Coffin is, but that's a valid point. It's a valid point. Marvin Lewis let let his players run wild and you, what you had like 15, 20 arrests in like a, the first 3 years. Mm. And this is the same team that you think is going to work out with all these because uh, he found a happy medium. He found a happy medium. Oh, okay. The happy medium is signing every troubled player in the NFL and helping them. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like a boy's home. It's like a, it is. It's like a boy's home. It worked last year. Worked a few years back. He's gonna make them do service projects together. St. Louis is terrible this year. Three and thirteen is what I got him at. Even if coach's expectations are met on the defensive side, I don't see him winning any more than three or four games. I think they're gonna win two. Two games. They're gonna win two. Seattle's gonna win five. Arizona, actually, you know what? Arizona, I agree. They're going to win six games because they didn't have a defense last year, and their offense lost their second best wide receiver and their Hall of Fame quarterback. So they yeah, about 49ers are going to run away with this division at eight and eight, ten and six. I'm saying even if they go eight and eight, they still run away with the division because that's how weak the division is. I don't know that I've seen a division this week, and this is a historically bad division over the last 10 years um, you've had a a couple of strong Seattle teams you've had a couple of strong St. Louis teams but for the most part mediocre is what gets by in this division and this year they're not even mediocre these are bad football teams the West has always been bad even the old West with the Falcons and the Saints 49ers ran that division for years and years like the Rams, every now and again, the Rams will be good. The Saints never wanted anything back then. The Falcons never wanted anything back then. Okay, so top to bottom, NFC West, San Francisco, I've got eight wins, winning the division. Seattle was seven, Arizona was six, St. Louis three. What's your rundown? San Francisco, 10 and six. Arizona, six and 10. Five and 11 for the, yes, five and 11 for the Seahawks. And two and fourteen for the Rams, and that's because Sam Bradford went to Oklahoma. Actually, it's nothing to do with him. I think they're two and fourteen because they're that bad. I think his signing actually keeps them in the two and fourteen range for several years, not the opposite, which is what all the scouts seem to believe. So, college football rankings came out this week, top twenty-five coaches poll, which. As we all know, preseason rankings mean very little. I won't go as far as to say mean nothing because, let's face it, if a number five team goes undefeated and a number four team goes undefeated, um, the number four team is going to finish the season with a better record, most likely. 
So here's the rundown. We've got Alabama number one. Any beef with that? No. Not real. as much as I hate to admit it, no. They have to replace some players, but all their replacements are on defense. And if anybody can get a defensive player, top-tier guy to play for his Saban. team, it's going to be Nick Saban. Number two, Ohio State. You don't think so, huh? No. Who's going to beat him? It doesn't matter. They shouldn't be ranked number two. They play in a weak Big Ten. I'll give them that. And there might not be a team that beats them, and they might be up there at the end of the year, but I don't think they're ranked number two to start the season. Terrell I, Pryor still has a lot to prove. He still has a lot to prove, and he's riding the momentum of a Rose Bowl victory, much in the way that Vince Young did coming into his junior season, and they, oh yeah, won the championship that year. I don't necessarily know that they're the second best team in the country. When you look at their schedule, you look at their their matchups, are they going to lose to Miami? Penn State looks to be down big time this year. Michigan, God, you know who even, who even knows what team's going to show up this year? Iowa should be tough this year. Iowa should be tough. I think Miami has a good shot to beat them. And not because I think Miami is a better team. It's because I, they're playing early in the season. The last two seasons, they've pretty much laid eggs against USC. And I think they need to start off fast. And I don't, they usually Ohio State doesn't start off that well. They always play those stinkers and play them good ga- in good games. Yeah, but the year before that, they beat Texas. Yeah, but that one, that was when Colt was a freshman. Who was Ohio State's quarterback that year? Oh wait, no, Troy Smith was a quarterback that year. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking it was the next year. No, Troy Smith was there. Okay. By the way, that was uh the year before that was the year that you claimed on the podcast a couple weeks ago that um Texas didn't play a close game all season and if I recall, it was a drop touchdown pass away from possibly losing to Ohio State but that's beside the point no they played I said I did said they played Ohio State I said any other game they blew everyone out that season except for Ohio State and USC I guess my point is even if they're not the second best team in the country they're going to finish pretty close to number two in the country because they don't have a tough schedule they don't have tough teams that they're playing on a weekly basis even if they drop the miami game that's the second week of the season they could very easily climb back up to the number two spot especially when you consider the number one team and the number three team both play in the sec which every week is a crapshoot whether you win or lose what if they play purdue when they're when purdue's one and five purdue beat ohio state last year and they were one and five at the time right what was Ohio State ranked to start the season last year? They were like number 12. Number 12 is a little different than number two. Obviously, people look at this team and see a better team than they saw last year. I think they look at it this year and see everybody's down except Alabama and Boise State. You got Florida that lost their quarterback. Texas lost their quarterback. They ranked their quarterback. them number three. Texas lost their quarterback. That's because everybody else isn't that great. They got Texas number four. I know. Those you are big to, programs. You just should plug tell, in guys. That should, that should tell you something, though. They got Florida number three and Texas number four, and they lost their all-world quarterbacks. What should it tell me? It should tell you that... It should tell me that Ohio State still has their quarterback from last year. A quarterback who hasn't done a whole lot but lit it up in the Rose Bowl last year has unmatched potential. And a defense is strong in every other position. They're strong. Why wouldn't they be the number two team in the country? These rankings are messed up. They're off. I mean... I'm a Texas fan, and Texas being number four doesn't isn't right. Yeah, Florida right. number three isn't right either. 
But you know, that being said, uh, Florida lost their quarterback. Texas lost their quarterback. Florida lost a lot of their defense and two of their top wide receivers. Um, the rumor is that this Brantley kid at quarterback for Florida is supposedly he's an incredible talent. I, I don't believe it till I've seen it. Florida's not the number three team in the country. Texas is not the number four team in the country for the same reason. The problem is that who is Boise State? I don't think you're ever going to convince a pollster to pick Boise State in the top three in a preseason. Virginia Tech, number six. Virginia Tech's number six every year, and they always lose one of their first couple That's games. Right. That's about right. Number six is a pretty common preseason ranking for Virginia Tech. I don't, I don't buy it. Just if Florida and Texas can be three and four because of who they are, then I have a valid point in picking Virginia Tech to not be worthy of number six because of who they are. I can justify it. I can't. I, Virginia Tech just flies under the radar to me. They're never good enough to win a championship, but they're never bad enough to drop out of the. And when they lose, it's not like whoa, Virginia Tech lost. Other than that, get get outside of the top five. Uh, I don't really know that there's anybody I disagree with. Uh, I think 14 might be too high for Penn State. I don't, I don't know how much they got coming back this year. I don't really see them being much of a contender. Arkansas at number 19, are they really going to win five or six games in conference to stay that high? Auburn could move up, I think, from the 23rd position, playing in the same SEC, but I definitely think they're a better squad than Arkansas. I don't. I think they're going to – I don't like their coach, Mr. Chisholm. Is that their coach? Yes. Yeah, I don't think he's a good coach. I think he had a fluke of a year last year when they started out, and then they fell off. I think the reason that I like Auburn is because when you look at their schedule, there's lots of games on there that are coin flip, but most all of them are at home. Yeah, they're going to lose to Florida. They're going to lose for lose to Alabama. But uh, I think a lot of their other tough games, they're playing at their home stadium and, and – uh, I like their shots. 23, it's kind of a fringe top 25 pick anyways, but I could see them actually moving up a bit and finishing in the high teens. I think Notre Dame's going to be raked in the top 15 when the year's over. Do you think? Yeah, I think I like Kelly. I think he can build a saw. I think he's the second best hire in this post-Lou Holtz era. I think think Willingham was was a good hire. I think he should have more time. I think Willingham was a better recruiter than he was a coach. I think Kelly can do both. So I guess I would say he's the best. I'm, I'm going to look back at Willingham with revisionist glasses because while I didn't think he should have been fired when he was, I saw what he went on to do at Washington, and I can't, I can't argue with him getting canned. Yeah, but terrible at Washington. Didn't he recruit... Uh, Jake Locker. Yeah. Brady Quinn is his guy. Yeah. He's a recruiter. He's a great recruiter, not so, that great of a coach. So keeping him on as a head coach is a good thing? Yeah. He's not a good coach. You just I said he's he not a good coach. Got, he should have got more time, though. Because I, I think he could have turned the corner. With, with the way he recruited, you don't have to be a great coach. He had great players coming in there. Yeah. And I think with that talent, you don't necessarily have to be a great coach. Worked out pretty well for Ron Zook. Ron Zook. Don't bring up Ron Zook. That's not to be spoken ever. <laughs> Ron he re- Zook. He recruited. Ron Zook. Was a hell of a recruiter. A 34-13 lead 
to the Hurricanes. And Ty Willingham won an entire season without winning a football game. That was with Washington. You would have done the same thing. Against who? Washington. He couldn't beat Washington State? No. He couldn't beat Oregon. He couldn't beat Arizona. Couldn't beat Arizona, Arizona State. Arizona made a bowl game last year. First year in how many? First time in how many they years? They were good last year. Ty Willingham wasn't there last year. It was two years ago they couldn't beat Arizona, wasn't it? It was two years ago they couldn't beat Arizona. Which, by the way, how did Washington do last year? They had Jake Locker. He was blossoming. They had him the year before. But he was blossoming. He was a junior. Everyone knows that junior quarterbacks blossom. To be fair, he was injured two years ago. Locker was injured two years ago. He didn't play a whole lot of games. But if you're a good recruiter and you've had three years in the system, you should have enough players on that roster that you can beat Washington State without your best player. If you're a great recruiter, like you say he is, you should beat Washington State. You go Even you, if you don't win any of those other games. You go to the West Coast, even if you are a great recruiter, you go to the West Coast and try to recruit there in those years, in the Carroll era. Oregon State did all right. No, they didn't. Not really. Oregon did all right. Not really. Last year, if you go back to the years that they, 2003, 2004, and 2005, there wasn't nobody out there. Yeah, but when was, when was... Even after that, 2006, up until two years ago. Do you go back to that era? No, not happening. Nobody's recruiting out there. They, USC, the only reason they lost was because uh, they dropped the ball, like Ohio State. So what changed in the last two years? Pete Carroll decided that he uh, the pass was going to catch up with him, and he knew paying his players was going to come back to on him, and he didn't try as hard. You honestly believe that? Yeah. He knew he was leaving. Pete Carroll knew for four years he was losing. He's like, as soon as as soon as this investigation is done, I'm out. So he was hauling in top five recruiting classes by not caring and planning his exit because it. it's USC. I could recruit at USC. Then why did they lose so long before he got there? Because he built him back up. He had to build him back up first. The How last did he build few him years. back up? By recruiting. Okay. But he stopped carrying in the last couple years. See, I don't buy that. I, I, I just don't buy that. I don't see somebody hitting the recruiting trails and bringing those guys to campus who doesn't care. And they lost four games last year, too. They lost four games, but then put how many players in the NFL? That was players from the from three or four years ago. It doesn't matter. That's a la- I'm talking last two years. He had five running backs that would have started at Division One schools anywhere else in the country. Five of them. He didn't care. No, he just no, he didn't because he wanted to just drain everybody else's talent so they wouldn't go to another school. He's got them, so he doesn't have to worry about them playing for another school. So that's basically taking the competition out of it. But then he was caring. No. He was taking the competition. He wasn't caring, though. He didn't care. He knew he was leaving. Pete Carroll has known he was leaving since they started that investigation. You know, I don't necessarily disagree that he might have had it in mind that he was going. But But to look at what he did, here's the thing. 
We were spoiled, and I use the term loosely, we were spoiled over the last five years before that with a very, very good USC program. They may have been overranked from time to time. They lost some stinkers to some teams, but they were rotating in third stringers who were NFL bound. And they have one season where... They get bit by the injury bug. They've got a rookie starting quarterback, or I should say a freshman starting quarterback. They drop a couple of games, and all of a sudden it's because Pete Carroll didn't care. I'm not buying it. He just did enough to stay afloat for a couple of years so he would stay marketable for the NFL, and then he bolted. That, that, the investigation ended, and he's like, oh, Seattle, you want me? All right, I'm, I'm leaving. All right, agree to disagree. In lieu of our closing arguments this week, we're going to have you vote on who won the argument. Did uh, Pete Carroll care or did he not care? You're going to vote for either Matt or John by sending a direct message to twitter.com slash sports on point. Before we roll the closing credits, we're bringing in sports on point fantasy football. We've got, we've got a league set up, NFL.com. Anybody interested in playing in the league, we've got some requirements. First is you have to play 16 weeks. No skipping the rosters any week. We need players who are committed. The second thing is John, Bob, and myself will be in the league as well. And anybody who matches up against us on any given week is required to do some trash talk. We've got the phone number to call. Whoever's in the league, if you're matching up against one of the three of us, call the phone number, say your piece, and let's make this fun. Let's make this competitive. And Yes, because we will surely trash talk you on the air. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about it will that. happen. I can trash talk better than Moses Malone. And we're going to have a big, uh, big wrap-up podcast for the NFL season when it's all said and done. And whoever wins this league, of course, unless it's one of the three of us, earns themselves the esteemed honor of guest co-host on our big NFL wrap-up podcast edition. Yes, sir. Yes, your victory will earn you the right to sit down next to the great ones, Matt and John. Okay, this is stupid. I thought it was pretty good. It was working out pretty good. I liked it. Well, this has been Sports on Point. You can always leave us a message at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. And don't forget to send feedback to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. I've been the guy pressing the buttons, Bob Severance. And I'm your host, Matthew Smith. And I'm your co-host, Jay Zav 3 See you guys later. Thanks, guys.